Hello, and welcome to episode three of Fast Pass to the Past, the Theme Back History Podcast. host Austin Carroll. I'm a former Disneyland cast member in both attractions and guest relations. Say that because that particular fact is going to come up a lot in this episode. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Today we have a really special episode. We have my friend Carolyn, who I actually went to college with just a couple miles away from Disneyland. We're heading to Disneyland again for the second week in a row to talk about Disney's most dangerous theme park attractions of all time. Very exciting uh, topic. I love Disneyland. I've lived in Orange County for five years now. I've gone there a bunch of times. So this should be really cool to talk about. Yeah, I mean, this week we'll be talking about three of the most dangerous rides the Walt Disney Company has ever seen. And yes, actually, one is still in operation. <laughs> wow, really? Which oh, is wow. great. <laughs> There's a rumor that uh, has really persisted, and I've been hearing it since I was a little kid, that no one's ever died at Disneyland. Yeah, or at least I've heard before that no one's ever been pronounced dead at Disneyland. And um, that just, that's not true. People are pronounced dead. No kidding. (laughs) (laughs) The happiest place on earth has seen its fair share of accidents, just like any other theme park, amusement park, or heavy machinery, because that's what theme parks actually are. They're heavy machinery, but it's weird that no one really thinks of Disneyland rides as heavy machinery. Well, yeah, people just think, this is Disneyland, and nothing bad can happen to me here, because it's the happiest place on earth, but in reality, you can get hurt at any of the attractions if you try hard enough. As a former ride operator, Um, I actually spent seven months, for those of you who don't know, operating those fantastic opening day attractions in Fantasyland. Uh, And it was a constant battle, really, to keep people safe. Uh, We had people run back into rides to retrieve sunglasses or phones, people standing up, and not to mention people were Simbaing their children on Dumbo. Simbaing? Yeah, like, you know, at the beginning of The Lion King, when he, like, holds up Simba, people would do that to your children. That's insane. I'm serious. It was so strange. Wow. Yeah, so that's kind of what we're going to talk about, is that some of the accidents and deaths we're going to talk about, and actually most of them were really preventable. I mean, we by no means wish to make light of these tragic deaths. I mean, our hearts really go out to the victims and their families, and we really wish that these things didn't take place Mm -hmm. at Disneyland. So without further ado, let's take a stroll through Disneyland history to look at one of the most gentle rides that Disney ever (laughs) created, and one that just so happens to be the most deadly. At a blazing two miles per hour, the People Mover is likely the most dangerous attraction ever to operate at Disneyland. Jungle Cruise skippers have even likened it to a people remover. Despite being 30 feet above Tomorrowland, the People Mover wasn't an inherently unsafe attraction by any means. However, the slow speed and open-air cars were temptations to troublemakers. In August 1967, the People Mover claimed its first victim. Just before midnight, 17-year-old Ricky Lee Yama of Hawthorne, California, boarded the People Mover with two friends. During the ride, they began to jump from car to car as the ride went through a tunnel. 
It likely seemed so safe. The tunnels were long and lit. However, whereas his friends easily made it to the next car, Yammer wasn't so lucky. He fell beneath the wheels of one of the half-ton cars. Glenn Oder, the security officer that found him, saw that he was dead right away. Just over a year later, the People Mover had a terrifying incident. In November of 1968, a freak thunderstorm struck Disneyland. The slippery rubber tires, and the attraction was sponsored by Goodyear after all, started to roll backwards as they lost traction. In a domino effect, 23 people were injured, many thrown from the vehicle into the tunnels. Luckily, no one was killed. Disneyland settled with all but one of the victims and quickly and quietly installed slip-free tires to the people mover. In 1972, two teenage girls hopped out of their people mover car in a tunnel to retrieve a pair of Mickey Mouse ears. They then ran through the tunnel to hop onto the next car, but one girl managed to get into the side. However, the other actually ran out of the tunnel's exit and plummeted to the concrete 30 feet below. The 14-year-old girl was gravely injured and was in a body cast, but she was lucky to have survived. Her family sued Disneyland for not having warnings about the exit, but the jury did find in Disneyland's favor. Actually, they called a cast member to testify to the stand, and he said that they had never even gone in the tunnels, so they wouldn't have to have signs or spiels telling Mm. people to not run in the tunnels because you couldn't get into the tunnels. So... (laughs) They found it in one's favor, but she she survived. Oh, yeah. that's good. So that yeah. so that's good. <laughs> one of the less tragic accidents in that case. Yeah. <laughs> um, and just five years later, in 1979, a four-year-old from Oregon suffered a similar fall. The child had somehow gotten into an earlier car than his parents. Upon seeing them board the next car, he began to climb out and try to get to them. He plummeted down to the pavement and survived with a double skull fracture. Yeah, the 70s, they were just a pretty troubling time for the people mover. In 1972, another five-year-old boy got his foot caught under the vehicle or exiting. His foot was crushed and he had to have three middle toes amputated. Their lawyer, though, was particularly savvy, unlike a lot of the lawyers that, we, that we're going to talk about. And he unearthed park first aid files that detailed more than 75 similar incidents from 1967 to 1972. Just a year later, a five another five-year-old broke her foot under the ride. The following year, a 12-year-old had to have two toes amputated after an identical incident. But Disneyland didn't install a protective fling next to the track to keep feet away from it until 1976. That was four years later. They ended up settling with all of the families involved for around $15,000 each. And that really just goes to show you that those yellow safety lines when you exit and when you enter a vehicle are very, very, very important. Please mm-hmm. Be careful of the feet. (laughs) And it's important to note that this is before yellow safety lines, before automatic stops, and before TV cameras were installed. The cars were powered by electric volts. In fact, the original dark rides still are. It was common practice to hop on the back of the last car and ride in it. Once, uh, one of the lookouts hopped on the back of it, and inexplicably, 200 volts of electricity ran through his body. Luckily, he was okay. Unfortunately, we cannot say the same for the People Mover's last victim. The last victim was actually in June of 1980. It was basically a virtual repeat of the Yama incident from the 60s. At 1.30 a.m. during his grad night, Gerardo Gonzalez of San Diego was trying to climb from car to car. However, he fell under the rear of the vehicle. Due to there being no dead man switch on the attraction, his body was, was dragged, basically, and he was pronounced dead at the scene. For the next 15 years, the people mover was relatively quiet. This is likely due to a number of both safety improvements, 
TVs, auto stops, etc., and the publicity of the accident, since most of the victims were from Southern California and saw it on the news. The ride also lost popularity as both a result of these accidents and later as more exciting rides came to the park, whereas Tomorrowland was becoming more and more outdated, which is kind of ironic. Tomorrowland. Yeah. <laughs> Everything is always outdated. <laughs> The People Mover closed permanently on August 21st, 1995, ending its legacy as the most dangerous attraction at Disneyland. So now let us journey from Tomorrowland to Fantasyland in much the same way as we would in 1956 on the less than peaceful Skyway Ride. Disneyland and Walt Disney World Skyway attractions saw guests sitting in a gondola high above Tomorrowland through the Matterhorn, in Disneyland at least, starting in 1959, and ending at the gorgeous Fantasyland Skyway Station, or vice versa. This D-ticket attraction actually had two names, Skyway to Fantasyland or Skyway to Tomorrowland, depending on where the guest boarded the ride. Despite dangling up to 60 feet above Disneyland, there are no documented incidents of any kind on this ride until the 1990s accident. Also, I just want to say that I'm using accident in quotation marks due to the so-called victim actually stating that he was in fact responsible not to undermine the victim in any way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the whole accident was quite dubious. Here's what happened. On Sunday morning, 17th of April, 1994, a 30-year-old man named Randall Charles fell approximately 20 feet from one of the Skyway cabins and landed in a tree near the Alice in Wonderland attraction. He was helped out of the tree by paramedics and was taken to nearby Western Medical Center where he was treated for minor injuries and was released. Charles later filed a $25,000 lawsuit against Disney, claiming that he had suffered permanent neck and back injuries as a result of the fall. The best part is that his attorney took it upon himself to say Charles wasn't doing anything improper and he certainly wasn't trying to get out of the ride. <laughs> like he he had to spell it out that he wasn't trying to get out of the ride just in case anyone thought that was what happened. Lawsuits like to be specific. Yeah. <laughs> However, before the trial, it became clear that Charles indeed jumped, not fell, from his Skyway cabin. Charles's lawsuit was dismissed just before it was to go to trial on the 23rd of September, 1996. At that time, he admitted that he came out of his Skyway cabin and that his lawsuit against Disney was ill-advised. Once again, we can't stress this enough. This was the only incident of someone falling since the ride had opened in 1956. However, the Skyway did have a couple of terrifying almost accidents. In the winter of 1983, a 60-mile-per-hour freak tornado ripped through Tomorrowland. Although there was little property damages, dozens of passengers were huddled on the floors of the buckets 60 feet up in the sky. They had to be rescued one by one by a cherry picker during the storm, and this took about three hours. A tornado in Southern California? Yeah, it was just a freak tornado, and people were stuck in the Skyway. 60 feet above Disneyland as a tornado. Oh my gosh. Like, there was no damages, but that's... That's pretty terrifying. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> well, a couple years later in 1989, a couple of teenagers rocked their cabins so violently, one of the guide wheels jumped off and stopped the ride. Passengers were stranded again, and it took four hours to lower them one by one. Also around this time, a cast member got his hand caught in the bucket while loading the vehicles, so he was kind of took off with the ride and left dangling over Fantasyland. Luckily, he was able to jump down unharmed onto the Mad Hatter's shop roof, but I can't 
really imagine how terrifying that would be to suddenly be dangling by gesture wrist mm -hmm. over all of Disneyland. <laughs> be pretty scary. Yeah, no kidding. Despite these incidents, the Skyway operated as a pretty safe attraction for the most part for 38 years. However, many believe that Charles's publicized incident is why the Skyway was closed shortly thereafter. However, that's just not true. Yeah, although uh, the Skyway did close after, in November 1994, many sources attribute this closure to metal fatigue and not to fear of a similar accident occurring. To be specific, stress cracks were developing within the Matterhorn in the hastily built 1957 supports for the Skyway. To correct this, the Matterhorn would have had to have extensive renovations that basically would have required the entire structure to be opened up. Disneyland just simply didn't have the budget to do this to save one ride while completing the extensive 1990s redesign of Adventureland and the new Indiana Jones and the Temple of the Forbidden Eye attraction. Many people also believe that the Skyway was closed for ADA accommodation restrictions. That is also false, as the Skyway would have been grandfathered in as it was built in, like, the 50s. Although this likely would have had to been corrected by Disneyland in the future from a guest relations standpoint, it doesn't account for the 1994 closure like the more immediate stress cracks in the Matterhorn. Although another accident never occurred on Disneyland Skyway, tragedy did strike the Walt Disney World Skyway shortly thereafter. In February 1999, a park custodian at Walt Disney World's Magic Kingdom was killed when the Skyway started up unexpectedly while he was cleaning one of its platforms. Raymond Barlow, age 65, was sweeping off a narrow Skyway platform inaccessible to park guests an hour after the park's 9 a.m. opening when other cast members, unaware of his presence, started up the ride. Barlow, startled by the approaching gondola, grabbed onto it and tried to climb inside. He fell 40 feet into a flower bed, hitting a tree on the way down, and died. It's just really sad. I mean, mm -hmm. that, that's the it's, one that gets me. Yeah, it's tragic. Because, it's like, accident. he was just doing his job. It also got the Occupational Safety and Health Administration as well, because they later ruled that the area that Barlow had been working violated federal safety codes. And they fined Walt Disney World $4,500, which seems pretty low, for a serious violation of safety standards. Several months later, in November 1999, the Magic Kingdom Skyway was also permanently closed. Once again, the decision to close the attraction was based on factors other than it being involved in a recent accidental death. Disney's official statement on the closure was that they wanted to phase out some of the older attractions and introduce new things to keep the park exciting and fresh. The Skyway's time had come. Although this seems dubious, you have to realize that there were skyways in basically every amusement park at this point in the 1990s. Another likely reason for the closure was the ADA accessibility requirement. Although this attraction was grandfathered in, just like the Disneyland one, by 1999, guests definitely expected every ride in Disney World, a newer theme park by all intents and purposes, to be accessible. However, likely the real reason behind Magic Kingdom's skyway closure is that it was expensive to maintain these skyway rides. The operating budget it was very high for such a low-capacity ride. Yeah, they basically had to, like, oil everything, fix every single gondola, check everything before they opened. It yeah. It was a lot. A lot of moving parts. Yeah, it, it, for such a ride where mm -hmm. you're just, like, sitting in, in a gondola. But although these defunct rides had their fair share of incidents, one of Disneyland's most recognizable and groundbreaking attractions has a similar toll, but it is still operating today. The scariest thing about the Matterhorn isn't Howard the Yeti. <laughs> Let's just say that. <laughs> yeah. 
Matterhorn bobsleds were debuted on June 14, 1959. Built by coaster builder Aero Development, a frequent early Disney contributor and WED Imagineering, it was the first tubular steel roller coaster in the world. Five years after opening, the Matterhorn was also the first attraction to cause a death at Disneyland. And tragically, this death could have been really easily prevented. Mark Maples, a 15-year-old from Long Beach, was playing hooky with his friends on a Friday morning, May 15, 1964. His companion unbuckled his seatbelt on the original ride vehicle, which is actually no longer the ride vehicle we use today. Mm -hmm. Near the top of the mountain, Mark stood up at the edging on of his friends, and he lost his balance. He fell to the concrete below and fractured his skull. Unfortunately, his brain began hemorrhaging, and he died in the hospital. His parents tried to sue, but they were unsuccessful. Um, Disneyland managed to kind of get out of that one by saying that they weren't at fault. There was no way that they could have prevented them taking off their seatbelt and standing up. It was the first Disneyland death, so it was kind of unprecedented. Mm -hmm. Just like the People Mover, the Matterhorn had a particularly bad 1970s. In 1971, the newly installed sprinklers system was tested earlier than anticipated when a fire broke out beneath a stretch of bobsled track. A man and his wife's bobsled encountered five-foot-high flames in a tunnel and were left with chemical burns. Officially, Disneyland never found a reason for the accident, although they did settle in court for $1,000. However, a witness did state they saw a flare on the side of the track. I think this one's particularly strange because <laughs> Disneyland never said why it happened. Yeah. And in fact, I had to read a book to find this incident. Like, it's not on the internet. Mm. So <laughs> I'm just, I'm they really, really wanted to keep it on the download. They've like buried this incident. Mm -hmm. And why would there be a flare on the side of the track? And it's also worth filed a note that these sprinkler systems had oil in them to try to keep the pipes from rusting. So yes, it put out the fire, but everyone else on the ride was doused in a mixture of oil and water. Whoa. Yeah, so that happened. Um, <laughs> prior to the 1978 major refurbishment in which the hollow interior space was broken up into a number of small icy caves and tunnels with far more convincing theming, a cast member actually fell to the bottom of the mountain. At the time, it was common practice for employees to retrieve lost items by boarding the ride and using a straightened-out coat hanger. Nowadays, items are retrieved at the end of the night and taken to City Hall or lost and found. But back then, they would use a coat hanger. One day, a woman's wig blew off, and Kathy Davis and Gary Lucas hopped into a bobsled to retrieve it. The second time around, uh, Kathy turned around and leaned outside the back of the bobsled to retrieve it. However, right then they hit a corner and she popped out of the sled. Kathy plummeted 50 feet through the center of the mountain. It was pure luck. She did not hit a single beam or track and landed in the dirt below. She survived and despite being told she would never walk again, she did. She had three children and ended up working at Disneyland again for years. And it was really lucky, like, her co-worker, Gary Lucas, actually walked the track a couple more times trying to see where other places in the mountain it was possible for you to pop out and mm -hmm. go to the middle without hitting anything. Mm -hmm. And that was, like, the only place. Oh, my gosh. 
So it was just so lucky. Yeah. So they filled in all of those places during the refurbishment that was a couple years later. Unfortunately, Dolly Young wasn't as lucky. On January 3rd, 1984, the Matterhorn claimed its second victim. Up until now, we've mostly had child and teenage victims that were goofing off or didn't understand the consequences of their actions. However, Dolly was a 47-year-old grocery clerk vacationing with her young son from Fremont, California. She didn't fit the profile, and the circumstances behind her death are incredibly vague. The accident happened when she was entering a cave on the mountain's A side. Some reports say she had her child behind her. Other reports say she was riding alone. However, one thing's for sure, her seatbelt was unbuckled. Dolly was thrown from her bobsled into an upcoming half-ton bobsled. She was killed instantly. Both lawyers presented very different series of events. Dolly's family lawyer concluded that her seatbelt wasn't used and that she must have fallen out while trying to get her seatbelt out from under herself. This is a possible scenario. However, why did she wait until she was already two-thirds through the ride to do this? Also, the Matterhorn, even at the time, had a dedicated person to check that the seatbelts were fastened. It would seem unlikely that the cast member would send a seatbelt unbuckled if she was the only rider or one of two riders. Another possible explanation is that she unbuckled her seatbelt to tend to her child behind her. However, we will likely never know what caused this tragic death. We might have learned more about the circumstances in court. However, the case never went to trial. It was settled for an undisclosed cash settlement right before, and I can attest her family got VIP passes for life. I actually, I've met her grandkids. Oh, yeah? They have VIP passes, wow. and they are very aggressive to guest relations cast members. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, they earned them. Yeah. So, um, yeah, they, they very calmly told me mm-hmm. that their grandmother died on the Matterhorn, and that is why they have passes for life. So, they are lovely humans. <laughs> Dolly's wasn't the Matterhorn's last death, or even Disneyland's last death. Many have died on Disneyland rides from natural causes or pre-existing health conditions. However, the last safety-related death to happen on any ride was a freak derailing at Big Thunder Mountain in 2003. So, if you're all concerned about your safety, I wouldn't be. Hundreds of thousands of people attend Disneyland every year, and the resort operates over 30 separate attractions every day. It is a testament to Disney's ongoing efforts about safety, which is their first key, that more accidents don't happen. However, these accidents did play a huge role in shaping the resort we know today. For instance, following the Big Thunder Mountain disaster, the maintenance budgets for all attractions were seriously increased. Let's take a look at some of the improvements and the legacies these dangerous attractions left on Disney parks. the people movers protective fling installed in 1976, Disney started to take precautions to protect guests from themselves. As technology evolved, Disney began adding monitoring cameras and emergency dead men stops to every single ride. Also, after a sudden power surge left guests stranded in the dark for hours on the Pirates of the Caribbean ride in the 1980s, while water was slowly rising as it pooled below. <laughs> oh yeah, can you imagine being stuck in Pirates and like slowly? I must have had a nightmare about this. Like I'm getting anxious the water's slowly about rising. It. Oh my god! And it's dark, and no. you've been there for hours. No. Um, so after that incident, they decided emergency lighting would be a really great idea. So they added emergency lighting and automatic emergency exit doors to every attraction as well. Most of the modern safety elements we see at Disneyland today as guests while boarding attractions were installed after a particularly bad accident on Roger Rabbit in Mickey's Toontown in 2000. Following the incident that resembled the people movers' deaths in a lot of ways, 
Disneyland installed all kinds of safety mechanisms to its attractions, including door latches, sensor skirts, raised side panel doors, warning signs, seating diagrams, loading zone gates, and pre-recorded safety spiels in multiple languages. Also, Matterhorn's seatbelt problems have been, for the most part, resolved with the addition of more cast members operating the ride, and there were also a lot of ride vehicle changes which had different interlocking restraints. Most recently, in 2016, was last time the ride vehicle was updated. However, that's also the year that I, as a Fantasyland Attractions hostess, heard about someone getting out of the bobsled to try and retrieve a cell phone. So, just please be safe. Yeah, we really hope that in addition to teaching you a little bit about the darker side of Disneyland's history, you've learned not to risk your life for a pair of Mickey ears or a cell phone. Yes, please stay seated and remain (laughs) in the ride. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. So thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you, Carolyn, for yeah. hanging out with me. Thanks for having and me. And talking about this fun topic. Amazing. Yeah. I learned so much. <laughs> <laughs> if you enjoy this podcast and you want to learn more and you want to see us continue making episodes, if you could please leave an iTunes review, that would be amazing. And if you want to learn more, you can go ahead and check out our website at themeparkhistorypodcast.com. That's themeparkhistorypodcast.com. And if you have any show ideas, feel free to email them to me at fastfastofthepast at gmail.com. Bye.